Eric Walden of Salt Lake Tribune joining us now. He comes to us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon, so you need to take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Eric Walden of the Tribune joining us. Eric, did you ever imagine in the 90s that in 2021, when I was sitting next to you in the 90s covering Utah women's basketball, that I would be on the radio and you'd be on the radio with me and we'd be talking jazz basketball some 20 years later? I could have imagined you on the radio because you were big time back then, but <laughs> me joining you, no, I had, I had no thoughts of that ever happening. Well, here we are, and the season is upon us as far as preseason ending tonight, obviously, with the Milwaukee Buck game, and then they, they go into practice for a week, and then it starts a week from tonight. Uh, preseason... Uh, you know, hard to put a big, uh, well, I learned this or learned that. Um, I guess for me, the, the, I haven't seen Rudy Gay obvi- obviously out there. Whiteside, you know, I've seen enough of him to know what he's capable of doing at the professional level because he's been doing it. Uh, the rest of the guys are all who they are, right? And and Mitchell will get better, sure, and, and we'll see what happens there. I have a hard time believing, maybe because I want to believe it, because I want to see the team do well, because it's good for business, but I just have a hard time believing that Butler fell this low and this kid could be this good. Talk me out of it, or talk me into it. No, I mean, like everyone seems to be of that same opinion (laughs) after watching him in those first two preseason games, right? Like, I mean... There was a reason that uh, he he got named in the NBA GM survey as being you know one of the potential steals of the draft. Um, clearly, we can see that you know a lot of teams were you know ha- had some trepidation about the heart condition that he had and 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 the knee condition that he had and um, you know obviously those will be things that we need to pay attention to down the line. But uh, the kid can play. You know, there's there's no two ways around that um he's been great and and does that translate into immediate playing time you know right away probably not um you know quinn quinn is very much set on a nine-man rotation and with donovan mitchell and mike conley as your starters and jordan clarkson is the reigning sixth man of the year and and joe ingles kind of the de facto backup point guard probably going to be hard to crack that rotation when all those guys are are healthy and active but um, if one of those guys gets injured or if the Jazz decide, you know, hey, we want to take it easy with Mike Conley again, hold him out on the second half of back-to-back, if they decide they want to do a little bit of load management and, and make sure that those guys are healthy and, and, you know, fully charged for a playoff run, uh, that's where I think we're going to see a lot of opportunities for Jared Butler to play. And, you know, everyone in the organization is impressed with him. You know, he's, he's shown the ability to score, shown the ability to get to his spots that he likes on the court. Um, is he a perfect prospect? No, he is, he, he's not the most athletic. He has a little trouble finishing over, you know, longer big men. But uh, there's a ton to like about him. And, and, and getting him at number 40 overall is just, yeah, it's an absolute coup for this front office. It also seems maturity-wise he's off the charts and listening to him do his interviews. Yeah, for sure. That's been, you know, those 
beyond beyond the simple talent uh, factor, which of course is number one and will always win out. Um, you know, you you've heard this organization talk so many times about quote unquote jazz DNA, and yeah, this kid's got it. He's got an unbelievable maturity factor, which was a huge uh, component of them being willing to draft him. You know, there's a reason that he was the most outstanding player of the NCAA Final Four. Um, he's got leadership qualities, uh, even though he's a he's a relatively young guy. Um, he's a guy who his teammates have said, "Hey, he comes to us and like you know he's he's not uh, cocky. He's not you know he I mean he is to a degree. You've got to be to a degree to be an NBA player. But uh, their point is he's willing to learn. He's willing to ask questions. He's willing to concede. He doesn't know everything he needs to know yet." and that these guys are in a position to teach him and to help him get better. And so they've all just kind of uh, repeated time after time that um, they've been so impressed with uh, the fact that he's willing to go to them and say, what about this situation? What do I do here? How can I make this work? So um, a guy who's willing to put in that much work this early, is uh, you've got to think good things about him. Eric Walden, the Tribune, joining us. Other teams, like particularly the Lakers, you know, LeBron was talking about how they're going to need some time, and, and I, I buy that 100%. I don't think you can just throw guys together, even in basketball, and expect them to just mesh so quickly. But I look at the Jazz, and they overwhelmingly bring back the majority of their guys, and right now it looks like Whiteside and Gay. Gay's out, so we'll see when he gets back and when he's ready to go. There'll be some assimilation, but I'm expecting Whiteside to not have that much of a learning curve, meaning to a good degree, he should be able to hit the ground running. How do you see that? It's interesting because we've seen the ups and downs with him already in in these three preseason games. Um, You know, watching him against New Orleans the other night, uh, we saw a a few of the struggles. you know, he's, he's acknowledged that Quinn Snyder's system is a little bit different than what he's accustomed to just because it's definitely like either we're switching out on the perimeter or we're having you drop back to the rim to cut off drives to the hoop. And he's acknowledged that, you know, it's a little bit difficult. He, he's so used to when guys kind of float into that mid-range area and take a shot, he's so used to going up to challenge that. And they're telling him, let the guy take the mid-range shot. We'd rather have you in a position to get a potential rebound. Um, so in that respect, you know, it, it's an acclimation process even for him as what an eight-year veteran of the NBA or, or something like that. But um, to your point, I, I think there are big expectations from them that he'll be the primary backup to Rudy Gobert once the season starts. I think they really are excited about the prospect of having two – athletic rim protecting rim running big men you know having a guy who can who can go out there and play in a style similar to what Gobert does and give them that rim protection component for a full 48 minutes so I'm hearing the key is yoga when it comes to Mike Conley is this true well that's that apparently is the key this year so um it's interesting right in talking to Mike he, he had told us that going into last year uh, he felt the best he'd ever felt physically in his entire career. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily helpful when when the hamstring issues popped up again. Um, but, yeah, to, to your point, he's told us that uh, this offseason he got in contact with former 
jazz man Joe Johnson, uh, who is a big advocate of Bikram Hot Yoga. And Joe told him, hey, man, you really should investigate this. You should get into it. It'll literally add years to your career just with the uh, flex- the additional flexibility factor. And so Mike decided to take him up on it, try it out, and, and he now is a big advocate of it as well, says that he's feeling a difference in his body yet again. And uh, we'll see where that goes. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt for him to try whatever he can at this point to try and keep himself healthy and available down the stretch, right? Yeah, it's sort of like every uh, training camp for football in August for the colleges. Oh, man, we look great. The offense is clicking. Defense is flying around, making plays. It's like blah, blah, blah. You know, I want to give Conley the benefit of the doubt because I think he's a true pro, and I don't think he'll say stuff just to say stuff. I think when he speaks... He speaks truth as he sees it, so I believe him. He's got the credibility as a human being. He's got the credibility as an NBA basketball player. So if he says something, I don't think he's just saying it because his track record is impeccable. But then there's a little part of me on the other shoulder, and it's, you know, I'm an old newspaper guy, and we're cynical by nature, as you know. And we start to think, yeah, okay, that's great. But talk to me in April, May, and if you should get there, June. That's sort of where I'm at when it comes to this. Yeah, and you know, you're you're right to be wary just because we have seen over these last two years that uh, it's been exceedingly difficult for him to stay healthy. So I'm really going to be curious to see kind of how Quinn Snyder approaches that this year, you know, whether or, or rather to what degree he kind of embraces uh, Kawhi Leonard-style load management of just sitting guys out uh, for the sake of, you know, lessening their capacity to go out there and get injured. Um, some injuries, you know, they're, they're, they're freak things. Um, and no matter what you do, they're going to they're gonna pop up, at, um, you know, when you least expect them to a degree. That's kind of been the case with Mike. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a good reason why we might see guys like Mike sit out a little bit more, why we might even see guys like Joe Ingles sit out a little bit more. Just I think the team is at the point where they recognize we got to be all in on the postseason. We got to do everything we absolutely can to make sure guys are available in the playoffs because uh, making it to the second round just, just doesn't cut it anymore. No, Eric Walden joining us in the Salt Lake Tribune. It certainly doesn't. Not when you're built. And I believe that they are built to contend for the best record, if that means anything, but most importantly, to win the West. I think that's what they're at. That's where they're at. That's where all the moves the moves that they made in terms of re-signing guys or bringing in new dudes, it was all designed to win the West. That is the legitimate goal. Uh, and and it's, it's obviously it's not the only uh, team. No, they're not the only team that has that goal. Uh, how many teams do you think would be a threat to derail the Jazz? And I know it's extremely early now, and there's a million things can happen. But as we sit here a week before the season starts, who do you view as threats to contend with the Jazz for that very same goal of winning the West? Well, you got to put Phoenix up there again. Obviously, they're an incredible team, and, and they bring back you know the bulk of their core. They've made a few additions as well. You've got to expect they'll be right back there. Uh, Denver should be really good again. Um, we saw them really start 
to kind of come together after the uh, the Aaron Gordon trade a year ago, and getting Jamal Murray back will be incredible for them. I'm really curious to see what happens with the Lakers. I don't expect that the Lakers are going to necessarily have uh, the greatest regular season record just because, you know, uh, as we discussed earlier, so many new faces on that roster that even with them being all talented faces, you know, it, it, we've, we've seen that it takes a certain amount of time for guys to acclimate to one another on the court, and they haven't had that yet. Now, by the time the playoffs roll around, you would expect that they'd have figured that out, and, and then we'll see, you know, have they solved the spacing issues that come with playing two bigs and also Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, and, you know, we'll see how they're looking. They certainly have enough talent that they should be able to do it. Um, beyond that, I'm, I'm curious to see how Golden State looks this year with, uh, with Clay Thompson coming back. Um, anytime you've got Steph Curry on your team, you're, you're a threat. With Clay Thompson coming back, you you would expect that uh, they'll be a little bit more viable, and and I really like their offseason addition of Otto Porter, assuming that he can stay healthy. So um, I think I think the Warriors are kind of you know a fringe team on on, on the outside looking in, uh, potential you know capable of potentially competing as well. On paper, for what it's worth. Jazz had a great season last year. It sucked the way it ended for Jazz fans, obviously. But they were still a great team. On paper, I think they're better. Fair or foul? I agree with that. You know, um, you you look at how they went out against the Clippers, and obviously it's a horrible situation for them having gone up 2-0 and then losing four straight, and and especially losing game six the way they did, where, you know, at halftime, <laughs> those, those of us jazz beat writers who had traveled to the Staples Center to watch the game, you know, we're thinking, all right, we're, we're coming back uh, to Salt Lake City for game seven. Yep, yep. And then halfway through the third quarter, we're like, well, we're coming back to Salt Lake City and the season's over. Um, you know, it, it flipped that quick, but... Um, I do feel like on paper they've they've addressed a lot of the issues that uh, really hurt them in that Clippers series. I mean, obviously issue number one is going to be health, right? Because Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley being injured simultaneously in that series really weakened their their point of attack defense on the perimeter and and put Rudy Gobert in kind of an impossible two on one situations of do I stop the guy with the free run at the rim or or do I take my chances on leaving Nick Batum and, and uh, um, Terrence Mann open on the three-point line. So I'm interested to see what Rudy Gay brings. He's, he's had uh, some experience in the role the Jazz will deploy him at uh, these last few years in San Antonio, where he primarily was you know, a, a backup four, but also played increasing minutes as a small ball five. So he'll give them some defensive versatility, some switchability, some one through five uh, ability to switch. I think that'll help. I think having Eric Pascal as a backup to him will help. We've seen that Pascal, you know, these last few nights can play. Um, I think the fact that they got Pascal for for virtually nothing and and having him as a capable end of bench guy will boost their depth. And I think having you know uh, Jared Butler as a capable extra guard at the end of the bench to help fill those times. Obviously, 
You know, Trent Forrest got thrown into a, a near impossible situation a year ago when both Don and Mike were out at the same time. And uh, he didn't have the outside shooting ability to kind of replicate the role that those guys are in. Jared Butler does. So, um, yeah, theoretically, the Jazz are a lot deeper. They're a little more matchup proof. Um, I think all things, you know, I, I think if we're saying, What's the ideal version of this team? They're probably missing another lengthy wing capable of defending and switching and, and hitting some threes. But, you know, those guys don't grow on trees. So um, they should be good. They should be improved. They should be capable of winning or at least competing for a championship this year. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. How much is all sorts of interest? I agree with you. How much do you think that the fact that the ownership, Ryan Smith, is laying out a massive potentially amount of luxury tax dollars, a check that's going to have to be, we don't know what's going to happen. They could change the roster. But if right now, once it's over like $35 million plus that they would be in the luxury tax, and that that's put up or shut up money as far as I'm concerned. So you can have zero criticism on the ownership uh, laying it out there by doing this. But I'm wondering, how much does that translate to the players? You know, sometimes you hear of guys get a big contract and then they and they just feel the pressure of that big contract right off the bat to perform. These guys all got their contracts and they're all set, but the ownership is paying a ton of money to have let you have these contracts. How much do you think that could potentially weigh on these guys? You know, it, it's interesting because, yeah, to your point, there are there and and there have been a lot of guys throughout the history of the league who've who've gotten those huge deals and immediately kind of fold under them. Uh, I think working in these guys' favor is that they've been so good for the last few years that they've felt the weight of those expectations before they even got paid. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Been here in, We've been hearing Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert say for two or three years now that they're not going to be happy unless they're winning a championship. So, um, yeah, Ryan Smith going this deep into the luxury tax is definitely uh, pushing all his chips into the middle of the table, as as it were. But um, I don't see it necessarily weighing on these guys. You know, now that now that Donovan Mitchell is not on a rookie scale deal, now that Rudy Gobert is going to be making. 30, 35, 40 million a year. These guys know what's up, right? And, and they know what the expectations are of the fan base and, and the organization. Uh, and they share the expectations themselves. So um, really it comes down to staying healthy, uh, implementing these wrinkles uh, to, to kind of fortify themselves against the areas where they were weak a year ago, where where opponents could exploit them, and uh, going out and, and better executing the things that they do well. And um, if all of that comes together, yeah, we could we could see this team making a deep run and, and maybe uh, competing for that Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, because these guys now, they're making Tribune-like money. <laughs> now, uh, considering that we are a nonprofit, I think you know that that is not the case. I'm not making Gordon Monson money anyway. <laughs> oh, who was, man? I worked here for 14 years and I never worried, made Gordon Monson money. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I've been at the Tribune now since, uh, what, 2003. I've been doing yeah. this gig. This is my fourth season covering the Jazz now. Um, you know, 
I'm not going to complain about money. This is this is literally my dream job, and and I'm and I love doing it. And, so and plus, we got we got jobs too, so that, that right. matters. <laughs> and we all know yeah, friends who I'm, don't. I'm, I certainly I certainly don't overlook having survived four rounds of layoffs. Oh, for point, sure. So. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, man. I've never had good timing in my life, but the one time I had it is when I got out of newspapers because it seemed like it's just been one thing after another there. And I feel we all feel for the folks who don't. Uh, who can't say what you've been able to say. And so we certainly respect uh, those and, and and grateful for the jobs that we have. That's for sure, Eric. I think we yeah, agree Yeah, well, that. the Tribune is now, you know, we've, we've been through some tough times. We've been through some lean times. Uh, we're on a good path now. We're, we're doing well. And I would just, uh, if, if you'd allow me, I'd just put it out there that anyone who enjoys the work we do, we are dependent upon uh, as a nonprofit, the support of the community. So I would encourage people who like our work to go to sltrip.com slash subscribe and uh, sign up for all the articles that you can that you can read. Get yourself informed uh, with some great local independent journalism. Yeah, there you go. Well said. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you joining us. All right, PK, you take care. All right, that's Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune, and they are dependent upon the public and whether you disagree with them sometimes or whatever, they're still a valuable asset to the community and very important to the community. There is no doubt about that. And sure, sometimes I may get frustrated, but so what? I believe in the mission that they are trying to do for our community. You may not, but if you step back, it's uh, it's the right way to go. Journalism is, is extremely important in the community. So enough with my soapbox. Uh, we come back. We'll get you up to date what's going on and... We'll tell you what the media thinks of University of Utah basketball. Today is media day in the Bay Area, and we'll tell you where they are expected or thought to be slated to finish. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Pitch by Hendricks. And Jose drills it deep to left field. And you can kiss it goodbye. A three-run jack for Jose Altuve. Ten to one Astros. First pitch. And a fly ball. Deep center. Going back Kane at the wall. That is good! Freddy! First pitch. And he sends a shockwave through the ballpark. And they're going crazy here in Atlanta. Garcia delivers. There's a fly ball to right field. Well hit. Bryant going back to the wall, and it is gone. Mookie Betts goes the other way, and the Dodgers take a 4 to nothing lead. That's your baseball highlights. Home runs right there. Little Altuve for the Houston Astros. They're back, what, in the... The American League uh, Championship Series now for the fifth year in a row, something like that, I, th- I saw. It's at least four. Yeah, and um, Altuve got plunked 
early in the game and a crowd went nuts because in Chicago because he was at the forefront of the cheating, not ripping the jersey off and then going into the clubhouse, coming back out with the jersey off. Seemed like he had some kind of wiring device. I thought it was a thing from the Sopranos. I thought uh, Tony and his guy were going to take him out on a boat there and the next thing you know, dump him in the Atlantic. Uh, and then he came back at three hits, a home run, and the Astros walk away with that series against the White Sox. And not to let it go, the Astros plunked Jose Abreu later on in the game with a big lead. So that's baseball. You hit my guy, whether it's on purpose or not, uh, well, we don't know, but well, we'll just hit your guy. And that that's the way it works. <laughs> it's been that way. I can recall one time I was coaching a 15-year-old team, guy hits three of our guys. Three of our guys in the first two innings. I look at the pitcher, 15 years old. I look at him and said, we've had three guys hit in the first two innings. He didn't say a word, nods his head, goes out there. Understood. Yep. <laughs> I didn't say throw at the guy. He's <laughs> 15, old enough to understand the, the language of the game. All I said is, we've had three guys hit in the first two innings. He looked at me. Goes out, and that pitcher came up to bat. Doink. (laughs) Not anything above the shoulders, no, but that's the way baseball is. And it'll be that way forever. And Freddie Freeman, the home run off of the uh, Brewers relief ace. What's his name? Hater. And the Braves take that series. He'd never given up a postseason home run. I know. I, I was shocked. I thought, oh, should they bring him in now because it's just tied? Would you need him later? And then he gives up the home run, lefty on lefty, and and Freeman, I was watching it, Freeman takes him deep. Freddie Freeman is the reigning MVP of the league, so he's obviously a really good player for Atlanta. And the Braves, who lost to Cunha earlier in the season, I think, what, uh, ACL, if I remember? Correct. Their best player, arguably, even though Freeman was the MVP. And so they've had some injuries, and they yeah, got to overcome them, man, and they have. And now they'll play the winner of the Giants and the Dodgers tomorrow night. I don't think there's any baseball today. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock our time, winner take all. Should be a fun, fun game as far as that goes in the decider right there. I wish it was 7, but it's not. Next round we'll get 7, right? The next two rounds. Yeah, it goes 7 from here on out. Yeah, so I wish this would have been 5, but they didn't go in that direction. What are you going to do? So that's the big news. Obviously, Kyrie Irving is big news, too. Uh, The Nets making a decision, probably the right decision. Uh, Kyrie coming out, he wants a voice for the voiceless. This whole thing with this vaccination and non-vaccinated thing is just unbelievable to think this is where we're at in the world today. I got no answers for you. I got vaccinated. (laughs) I got no answers. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to do to tell people what to do, what not to do, and I, I just don't know what to say on that. So there you go. And the John Gruden thing in the NFL, you know, was it the tip of the iceberg? Will they find other stuff? Six hundred fifty thousand emails. The NFL doesn't want to release them. The Players Association said they should be released. Gruden's name removed from the Ring of Honor in Tampa. Then you've got others saying, well, wait a second. What about these other guys? Uh, Warren Sapp, who's had his share of legal issues. He's in there. And then, uh, what's his name? Keyshaw uh, Johnson saying that Gruden's a fraud. Then I saw Warren Sapp's, uh, Sapp's bio the captains wanted him off the team, so Gruden took him off the team. So, of course, he's going to say he's a fraud. So, you can go back and forth. Nevertheless, <clears throat> all that in mind, 
doesn't seem like uh, John Gruden deserved to keep his job based on the overboard nature of the stuff that he said. Female referees? Ah. What do you care about that? What they, they got a hat on? You can't. You barely even tell. They're running around doing a job. How do you? Female referees of all the things to pick on. I guess he picked on Eric Reed for not standing. I mean, I guess you can have an opinion on that, uh, right? If you want to stand and you think others should stand, so be it. I was at a concert a couple of weeks ago at the State Fair, and they played the national anthem. Two gals in front of me chose not to stand. I stood. I proudly stood. And I stood for their right not to stand. That's one of the reasons why I stood. And for me, any chance I view it as honoring the military, others say it wasn't about the military. Okay, but you don't have the right to tell me what I think it's about. If you don't think it's about the military, fine. I don't care. I think it is. That's my chance to honor. I never served. I've never done a darn thing for freedom that I've been given. I haven't served one day in the military. Are you kidding me? I've been afforded all this stuff for free. That's what I do. That's why I do it. Put my hand over my heart. But if you don't want to do it, so be it. I can live with it. Uh, I may not agree with it, but I can live with it. I also told you that the Pac-12 preseason media poll is out. Receiving, I think they had like 35 or 36 votes. 35 votes. No, excuse me, 34. 34 I, votes. I suck in the mad. Media. It's okay. 32 plus 2. You think I would have come at 33, 34, man? I could have been able to do that. I didn't even extend down to my toes. So there's 34 votes. And you see Los Angeles, the Bruins, got 32 of them. It reminds me two years ago. I, the reason why I think I had 36 in my mind, because I think football there was 36, and Utah got 34 first-place votes to win the South. And what did they do? They won the South. They tied for the all-time best record. That's only 10 years or so, nine years at the time in the conference since it went to 12. They went 8-1. and one. So you wonder, are the Bruins, now we know they made a great run last year, knocked off the Cougars, and went all the way to the Final Four. Uh, Gonzaga beat them on a buzzer beater, didn't they? My guy Suggs. Correct. Uh, then he hit a banked in a like a running a shot, running yeah. half court. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And they returned the bulk of their roster, so they're picked first. Oregon's got two pers- first place votes. SC third, tie at fourth. Arizona and Oregon State. Colorado sixth. Arizona State seventh. I was joking with Yock. Every time there's a poll or stat that's brought out in the Pac-12 and they list 1 through 12, Devil football team always finishes between 5 and 8. They're never at the top, but they're never at the bottom. And here in basketball, I don't follow ASU basketball nearly as much because we've got the Jazz and I've been more of a pro guy in that way growing up in the Northeast before I moved West. Uh, Devils are 7th. Washington State. Stanford 9, sitting there at number 10, ahead of Washington and Cal, are your University of Utah Utes. So not expecting a whole lot in Craig Smith's first season, which I think is fair. Uh, Maybe he can surprise. He certainly did at Utah State. We know what happened there that first year. Was absolutely awesome, right? Uh, We'll see. Uh, They've got a couple of guys that are decent. Uh, Carlson, is he ready to explode? 
He's put on some weight, bigger dude. He's had some great games. He could play Stanford every week or every game. He'd be All-American. I was going to say, if he can play a certain it's team. It's really crazy that he has these massive games against the Cardinal, but nevertheless, that's what he does. Nobody on Utah was picked on the first or second team all-conference. And on the first team, what do they got? They got about 10 guys. And I see one, two, three, three guys for the Bruins and then smattering of other teams, Oregon State, Washington State, ASU, Arizona have guys. So uh, college basketball right around the corner. Hopefully they can have a full season like everybody else. It would be way fun to see that. There you go. Uh, one other thing, man. This, we talked about it a little bit. Adam Schefter, great reporter for ESPN, used to work in uh, Colorado. Uh, they, these emails uh, exposed that he sent a story to, um, what's his name, Bruce Allen? Bruce Allen, was yes. With, when he's running, the, was he GM of Washington at the time? Correct. Basically saying, hey, uh, are you okay with this story? Is there anything I could change? That's a no-no. In the journalism world, if it's true, you know, we just got the reports. If it's true, you're not supposed to do that. You can check with a source and say, hey, what do you think about this? Is this fact true? Is that fact true? You double check all that stuff. But you're not supposed to send your story in its completed form to anybody but your editors, people who are on the inside. Maybe you have a friend that you can send it to who's in the business. I've done that. When I was, and even now, I still write for our website and, and KSL, and, and then going forward, we'll see about KSL Sports when this thing happens and we get all together there, uh, whenever that may be soon, obviously, because uh, they already made the announcement. Um, I would send it to former editors, like Michael Anastasi, who was a sports editor in, uh, for the Tribune, has moved on, is in Tennessee. When he's in at Tennessee, I've sent him... Emailed him a copy of a piece I was working on and say, hey, what do you think about this? I've done that. I've sent it to Gordon uh, and have done that. And my peers, and before I submit it to the editor, Gordon, a phenomenal writer, he gave me tips on how to improve writing. Uh, so I would do that. And that That's okay because you're doing it in-house. But you're not supposed to send it out to uh, basically a newsmaker. That That's, that's a no-no. And But... Journalism has changed so radically uh, from the time that I was there and in my heyday in that business, even though I'm still in the business, but I'm talking about the basically the form of print journalism. So we'll see if anything develops. That's, that's not something you should be doing. I'm surprised that, that he did that. And I wonder if there's more to the story if it's not being reported completely either. So I, I'm not saying that uh, he did or didn't do it, but I'm saying the theory behind it isn't good. All right. I asked, as usual, we can have the greatest takes ever in sports, but I asked uh, Riley Jensen, who we have on every Wednesday, love the dude, love that he comes on our show, so insightful, sports psychologist. It was Daddy Daughter Donut Day, and want to take advantage of it, and your kids grow up quick, as you know, and so he was there, and I asked him, what is his favorite donut? I put three on Twitter, being jelly, glazed, or chocolate, and the responses, as usual, are overwhelming. Yeah, you guys don't want us to shut up and dribble. You want us to shut up and dribble, but yet when we do some of these screw-up things, screw-around things, you certainly have fun with it. So we'll get to that next, close up the show, and prepare you for Scott Enhance coming up next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I can't believe today was a good day. Ice tea? 
He went to Washington Prep High School where my wife taught. He was known as O'Shea Jackson back then. Yeah. My old lady and O'Shea, man, they ran in the same circles down at the prep. 108th and Danker, South Central. I got some street cred, brother. (laughs) All true, by the way. Uh, There you go. Uh, I want to tell you about the warehouse. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. I've prepared for this for a long time. Boom. Okay. Boom. (laughs) So the feedback, you know, I talked about this Saturday. We'll get with the DJ. He'll be back tomorrow. It's just a one-day deal. He needed to take care of some biz. Uh, run it by him tomorrow, get his thought on it, see what he thinks. He's a bright dude. Saturday being Legitimacy Saturday for a multitude of reasons, and we'll explain them again tomorrow. So we talked about that, but I put on the question on Twitter, glazed jelly or chocolate, what is your favorite donut? Oh, how about Provo Bakery Mabel Bar is a life-changing experience? Cackling cougars cruising to the Big 12? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) By the way, I'm a lemon jelly-filled kind of guy. A life-changing experience at a bakery. All right. May have to check that out to see if my life does change. I'm always up for a positive life-changing, down with a negative life-changing Halloween beaver, he goes, or she goes, I guess, jelly. Some guy named, the name's Hatch, Jake Hatch, in parentheses, Yawk. I was a regular customer at the Hostess Factory shop near where I grew up, and without fail, I was getting a box of those glorious beauties each time I was there. (laughs) This is a little bit of an expanded conversation. (laughs) They're the Hostess, you know those powdered donuts that have the jelly filling in the middle? Uh Those were my favorite growing up. Okay, I got you. Probably a big reason why I look as portly as I do today. (laughs) You've lost 30 or 40 pounds, you said. so. I have, but you know. Good on you right there, man. That's what matters. It's not where you're at. It's where you're going. Uh, Tom, he's going chocolate. Mitch, old-fashioned glaze. Mitch, you along the lines with Mrs. K. Old-fashioned glaze. Got to get that every time we go there. Any form of donuts. Hadn't had donuts in a while. Jason, oh, he's going with the health. You know, too many people that are saying jelly. That's not healthy. But wild turkey fart blunt of all crazy nicknames. Uh, Bavarian. All right. Dane, he's ranking them. Chocolate and then glaze. And then there's a massive chasm. What's your favorite donut? We'll also hit that with the Snickster, who I'm sure is an expert. We've got a lot to cover and a lot to eat tomorrow. So join us tomorrow at 6 o'clock, please. We would very much appreciate it, as we would if you stay tuned, because Scotty and Hands are coming up next.